Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week, my guest is Josie Nikoi. She was part of the multi-level marketing industry for almost six years and was at the top 1% of three different companies before walking away from it all. Today, she is part of the anti-MLM community and shares valuable insight on her YouTube channel called Not the Good Girl where she conducts interviews with other ex-MLM members, as well as licensed therapists and cult experts, and shares what she experienced behind the scenes. Licensed professionals call MLMs the commercial cults in today's society, and after everything Josie witnessed, she intends on exposing them. Josie lives in Missouri with her husband and her three dogs and loves true crime and hiking nature trails. Everybody, please welcome Josie. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Okay, so ladies... My fellow listeners, I was on this rabbit hole. (laughs) You know how you get into these rabbit holes about MLMs. And the reason why I started this rabbit hole because of what happened with uh, Rachel Hollis. And I read her book and then she talked about how she was getting a divorce. And the comments that I was listening to and her toxic positivity, which then led me to Josie's YouTube channel. And, you know, I normally don't watch other people's YouTubes that I don't know, but you really got me within the first five seconds of it because there's so much that is not said about the MLM culture. And I have a lot of friends who are in MLMs and, you know, some of you guys might message me and <laughs> after this episode, but honestly, this needs to be spoken about. And so I'm so thankful that after watching a couple of Josie's episodes and I reached out to her that she reached back and that she's here on the podcast because there's a reality behind everything. We all need to be well aware of what we're getting ourselves into, correct? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about your journey. Yeah. So I was a hairstylist for seven years. I graduated from Paul Mitchell. I worked very hard to build my clientele. And I got to the point where I was booked six months ahead and I stopped taking new clients. Wow. So, right. A lot of people were like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Like you've done what so many hairstylists want to do. But I was also scared because I realized my income was completely capped and I was just booked nonstop. Not only that, but I had a lot of medical debt piling up. I was having to see a chiropractor and pay out of pocket three times a week. And I was also in physical therapy for a whiplash injury to my neck. And my job, my career was completely aggravating that injury every day. I had to get so many steroid shots in my shoulder and they just stopped working. (laughs) And I remember being scared and in this vulnerable position. And about six months, five months before I joined my very first MLM, which was a health and wellness MLM. I thought, you know, I need to take better care of myself. I had gained weight because all my attention had been focused on my career. And I also have the metabolism of a slug. So I was just like, I need to get get it together. What can I do that's going to kind of motivate me and hold me accountable to lose this weight? So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start a Facebook page. And I called it Josie Quits Cake because I was binge eating cake every single night. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Josie Quits Cake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that was in, I think, like March or May or somewhere in, in 2013. 
And so I started just sharing what I was doing. I was not a part of an MLM. I didn't really understand what MLMs were at the time. I had heard of pyramid schemes in the past. I had maybe had like one person try and tell me like, you really need to do this thing. I remember once a friend was like, come over tonight. And my cousin who's making a ton of money, he's going to explain how, like how it works. And she couldn't really explain it and was confused. So they had to have somebody else explain it, which is very common in the network marketing world. And that's by design. Because when it's confusing, you want to learn more. You try and seek more answers. You're a little bit confused exactly how it works. So you don't have all the answers. And that's completely by design. But I remember just like sitting in her her apartment and her cousin was drawing this pyramid (laughs) (laughs) on a piece of paper. And he was like, you know, if you just recruit five people and then they recruit five people and then they recruit five people, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I'm good. Like, nah. And I remember like when I was in high school, my parents' friends got really involved in a company called Quickstar, which I think was like a sister company of Amway. And I mean, they got so involved that they moved from our tiny little hometown in the middle of Missouri to Kansas City because that to be like closer to their upline and the people in the MLM. That's insane. Yeah. And it didn't end up working out well for them. Like most people, unfortunately, it doesn't. So I was just doing my thing. I was sharing online on Joe Secrets Cake what I was doing, what I was eating every day. I was sharing, you know, like certain workouts I did. I was sharing my struggles as well as victories. And I am somebody who struggled with hypoglycemia since I was young. So I remember in high school around 10 and 2, I would have to go to the nurse's office and I would drink a protein shake that I had brought that day just because my blood sugar would drop too low. And so protein shakes were not something foreign to me. I love them. I still drink them to this day. And so at the time I was like, you know, I'm I'm on this weight loss journey. Like it would be so convenient to have a protein shake every day or twice a day because as a hairstylist, you don't get time to eat. (laughs) You don't have time for that. (laughs) Right now. I mean, we're in the back mixing color, taking a bite of food. So protein shakes are very convenient, not to mention healthy. So I was like, okay, let's, let's see if I can find one. And I wanted one that was really healthy. I wanted one that, you know, didn't have artificial sweeteners, no soy, no GMOs. And so I just started researching and I came across a healthy protein shake, meal replacement shake by an MLM company. I already know which one it is. (laughs) Right. I don't usually say them out loud. I've mentioned them sometimes in videos. I don't say them the names out loud, but you can guess very easily. But MLMs are very Sue happy. They love to go after ex-distributors. So yeah, (laughs) I don't say their names a lot. Like Scientology. (laughs) Completely. Yeah. I mean, they're not like as bad as Scientology, but they're up there. (laughs) And so I found this shake. And the interesting thing was that I had been a part of this runner's group like a couple years before. And I was friends with them all on Facebook still. And they had been just shilling this company's workout programs and their shake. I mean, it was every day. It was constantly in my newsfeed. And this was back in the days before you could hide somebody in your newsfeed or, you know, unfollow them. And so I was always seeing them holding up their workout programs with their, you know, high profile trainers on the front and like smiling real big and saying, this is on sale for today only or this week only. You got to buy this. It's amazing. And they were so freaking excited and happy about it. And I was, I would see their posts and I would just think, I hate you all. Like you are so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I was so fed up. And so when I was researching a good protein shake, it was 
the protein shake from that company. And I remember instantly just being like, great, now I'm going to have to approach one of these people. So I approached somebody from the runner's group who was not, I knew she was like a part of this company, but she wasn't in your face obnoxious with the marketing about it. And so I said, hey, can I buy a 30-day supply from you and or order it from your website? And she said, yeah, sure. You know, if you sign up as a coach, you can get a discount on the product. And I literally said to her, I would rather pay you more to not sign up. <laughs> like I, I was yeah. just like that honest about it. Like, don't try and recruit me. I don't want to be a part of whatever this is. Um, no, I just want to try the freaking product. And so I got it. I tried it. I really liked it. I liked the ingredients in it. So I remember I had been using it for like two months and it was expensive. So I was like, you know, let me look into like how this discount worked. Because I remember she had offered the discount to me. And like, this is kind of where the MLM grooming starts. Like it starts the instant that you see a person's post in your newsfeed about the MLM. Like that's when it starts. And you start becoming like, you might be like really turned off at first, but over time you become desensitized to it. And then you become a little bit more open to suggestion. And I was just like, let me just see like what about this discount. And so I Googled it because I didn't want to approach any of the people who were like obnoxiously selling it. So I Googled it and I found this woman who had been a broke bartender and had like hundreds of thousands of medical debt from her baby being in the NICU when she was born and she didn't have health insurance. And she had been able to completely turn her life around with this company while getting fit and healthy and helping others, coaching others. And I remember seeing all the success they lavished on her, like, and then the, the gifts and the accolades. I mean, they would fly, the company flew her out to their headquarters. They celebrated her when she hit a certain rank. I mean, she walked off this elevator at the corporate headquarters and they had on both sides this aisle of people who worked there. And they were just like clapping and giving her huge bouquets of flowers and balloons. Oh, she was the Tom Cruise of Scientology. And, oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so she's like on the, they're doing this interview with the CEO and she's just like looking beautiful. And she's like, this company has completely changed my life. I'm debt free. I'm, my life has been turned around. And I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to her. Like, she doesn't seem pushy. You know, she doesn't say she cold messages. Like, I'm going to reach out to her and just like see. And that's really how it started. I always tell people because they like to ask me, well, how did you get to the 1%? What made you so special? And I say like, I wasn't special. I just had a larger network. Like, if in all honesty, that's all it is. Because I had been building Josie Quits Cake for like six months. I had thousands of followers by the time I started in the MLM. On top of the fact that I was a hairstylist who was booked six months ahead, I had a very large clientele. You had already gained the trust of people. So that's why whatever you would have presented to your group, people would buy it because they've already, they already get this trust from you, this trust factor. Absolutely. And I'm no stranger to losing weight. I always joke. I'm like Oprah. I've been every size. <laughs> and so I mean, you know, like I was losing weight, which also... I mean, that just makes people pay even more attention. So I, I mean, I am somebody who's a hard worker, but there are a lot of people in network marketing who work very hard and lose money, you know? So I'm about 16 months into my journey with that company. I was able to quit my job as a hairstylist and do it full time. And I was in the industry for almost six years. And when I walked away from the industry, I was a shell of the person who I was when I began. Oh, there's so much to unpack here. So when you say you worked full time, please describe to everyone who is listening, 
just how much it takes to get to the 1%. Oh my gosh. I was in a relationship when I first started. Before I started at Paul Mitchell, I had left an abusive marriage and I put myself back in school. I worked really hard to to do that because I it was just, oh my gosh, anyone who's ever even just been divorced knows the stress of that. So I was at this good place in my life where it was like I had, you know, put myself back in school, graduated, established this clientele, established myself as this good hairstylist who worked hard. And, you know, it was just a, it was just a little bit of like the vulnerability there where I was, you know, having medical debt and I was in pain from my job every day. And I was in a relationship that I had been in for, at that time, I want to say four years. We had been together about four years and he was a really sweet guy, but we were like best friends more than anything. And he was going to school to be an engineer, which is a, a highly intensive program. And he was also working which most people going to school to be an engineer do not work because of, it is such a highly intensive program. And then on top of that, when he wasn't working or doing schoolwork, he was in his garage, just like doing, working on his trucks that he showed at car shows every now and then. So I was in that position where it was like, if I said, hey, I need to work on my online business when I get off work for a few hours, it wasn't a big deal because he was like, cool, I'm going to go work on my trucks. <laughs> so it, we weren't really like that in like that kind of a loving relationship. We were almost just like best friends. And so, because here's the thing, like MLMs destroy relationships and they get, they put so much grief on marriages. And I can't tell you the amount of emails I've received from men saying like, my wife is in an MLM. It's killing our relationship. We're on the verge of breaking up or we're on the brink of divorce. I don't know what to do. I even received an email from a guy who said, my wife and I were in the top 1% of a certain company. And he said, we were both in it. And then over time, as the years went on, I happened to wake up and I walked away from the company. She didn't. And because I walked away and I was, I no longer wanted anything to do with the company, she divorced me. And I said, oh my gosh. But it, it also wasn't surprising to me because in that in the MLM industry, like if anybody who's against your company, you shun them, like you excommunicate them. So I, I, I kind of wasn't surprised, but it was horrible. And I said, can I share your story on my channel, even if I keep you anonymous? And he said, no, a lot of the men say no. Even if I kept them anonymous, he thinks that they would figure it out. And he's like, it's just, he's like, thank you for sharing your story because it helps me. And he's like, you know, we have kids together, so I'm trying to keep the peace, but it's really hard. And that just broke me. So, so I was in that position where it's like, if I wanted to spend, if I wanted to stay up until 2am working on my business after working at the salon from 10am to 7pm that night, I could do it. But that's why a lot of relationships get destroyed. Because obviously, if you, if you do that to your partner, he or she is not going to want to stick around or they're going to start resenting you for it. So yeah, I, I worked full-time at the salon. And I tell you what, I was not the stylist who was on my phone ever when I had a client in the chair. I just think that's highly unprofessional. I didn't even keep my phone on me. My phone was in the back in my purse. So anytime my client was processing, I, I knew I had like anywhere from like 20 to 40 minutes I was on my phone in the back and I was sending, I was like helping my team grow. I was creating content. I was trying to recruit people. Like I was working nonstop. I was always on. And then it got to the point where, because I would stay up late and after leaving and I would work on it. And then it got to the point where 
I started getting busier and I had more demands in the company as I was moving up through the ranks. And so I, I started waking up earlier and I would, yeah, I would, you know, work on it an hour or two hours before I'd go into the salon. And so it takes a lot, but I'm, like I said, don't get me wrong. Like a lot of people work that hard in, on it and they don't get anywhere and they lose money. Like the FTC.gov states that 99.4% of people lose money in an MLM. I, what I wanted to have, why I wanted to have this conversation was because I personally have experienced MLM. Like I signed up for three of them. I lost money each time. And when I would lose money or whenever I would say, I don't want to do it anymore, my upline would always say, it's because you're not working hard enough or you don't want the goal. Or, and they would try to use these psychological terms where it would make me feel bad so that I could like beg for like, you know, approval and like, and wait for them to say, no, you're, you know what I mean? And, and the more that I, I studied it, cause I study a lot of psychology stuff too. And I love how you said that you were a true crime. <laughs> you love true crime. I love true crime too. And it's, it really is all psychological. Like you said, it was like, they post it all the time. So then you have this intrigue and just like marketing, any type of marketing, you know, you have to see it at least seven times before you start to ask questions. And then they always give you that carrot. Well, you know, I can sell it to you, this product at full price, but if you get a discount and then they sell you this dream, like, oh, if you just sign up all these people and then eventually you never have to work again, that that's a lie. Like you said, you were working all the time and your phone was like something that you had to like spend more time with than your boyfriend or your husband or even your children. And I've, I've heard this from many people who are in MLMs. But one of the things that I have seen firsthand, like it was funny because one time I was at Starbucks in 2008, 2009, I didn't have a job. I was like just working a whole bunch of different jobs, like walking dogs, cleaning houses, selling hot dogs at the Anaheim Stadium. And this lady said, oh my God, you, you look like somebody that would, you know, would be great on my team. Like we're hiring. And so right when you hear that, you think, oh, it's a job you know, like I'm going to work for this company. And, you know, she sold me this dream. Like she was even telling me like, we just got back from Aruba and we just had this most amazing trip and just like really made me feel like, oh my God. And I remember telling, like going home and calling my sister because at the time I was single and my sister was my sounding board and thank God for my sister because I called her and I said, oh my God, this lady, she, you know, she's offering me this job to work on her team. She, and she really fluffed me up like, oh my God, you're beautiful and you would be amazing. And you know, when somebody has a low self-esteem or when someone has a lot of insecurities or they don't have somebody that like, or you didn't have a really good, you know, childhood, anybody that pours into you, you're like more, more, give me more, you know? And so this lady, you know, promised to give me these self-help books. That's another ploy that they do is like, I'm going to give self-help books. And she said, when you're done reading it, then you can come ask and talk to me. Like only if you read this book, are you good enough to come talk to me? Which then that's another red sign. You know, so I called my sister, I told her about it. And I said, you know, it's called, you know, Amway. And she said, well, have you done your research? That was the first thing she said. And of course, here I am, you know, 28, 29, like on unemployment. I really wanted to get out of my small studio apartment. And I'm yelling at my sister on the phone. I'm like, Letitia, you're just trying to kill my dream. <laughs> you're just trying to take everything away from me. Like I, you just never want me to succeed, you know? And I'm really like so upset. And she's like, you know what? I don't want to yell at you. She's like, all I'm asking you to do is do your research. And 
when I went home after I got off on the phone with her and as I'm driving and yelling at her, I took out my laptop and I Googled Amway. And the first things that come up is like cult, this, this, like all these people have had just, they've written blog after blog and YouTube channel after YouTube channel of people that have been just like completely just obliterated by this company. And so I ended up calling the lady and telling her I wasn't going to read the book, that I wasn't interested, that I found another job just so she wouldn't like try to convince me. And she said, okay, we'll just mail it back to me. Here's my address. Well, I lived at the time in Costa Mesa and it was the same, you know, city. So I drove to her house, this lady who made it seem like this company had given her riches and riches. I drove to her trailer park to drop off the the book. (gasps) I look back and now I think like, I'm so thankful a that the universe worked it the way it was supposed to work. Like I was supposed to talk to my sister and my sister was meant to tell me to research. I was meant to be cheap and not pay for the postage and to drop it off because then I would have never really truly seen that she was lying to me, that they were just lying to me. Fast forward, one of my family members ended up getting involved. And like you said, to the point where they told her, because she tried to recruit me and I told her, you know, please do your research. And she didn't do her research. She's in it all the way to the point where she decided not to be a part of my wedding. She's completely cut herself off away from me because I'm against this MLM. And it just has all these signs of a cult, you know, stay away from people who don't want to support your dream. And it's like, that's what Scientologist people say, like, don't, don't be around anybody who doesn't believe in Scientology. That's suppressed, they're suppressors. And, and it's like, There's so many different aspects and psychological aspects about the MLM industry that if you aren't truly confident enough in yourself to not fall into their ploys, then I wouldn't suggest you sign up for them, correct? I would not sign up for them at all because even if somebody is confident enough in themselves not to fall for their ploys, you're still supporting an industry that's extremely predatory to men and women all around the world. I love that you said that. I truly believe that. I mean, honestly, like it hurts my heart when I see other people that are just like literally driving themselves through the floor trying to get acceptance you know, from their team, from their upline, from their company. And it's like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why when we can just find ways to like, like, and I've been contacted many times by many different people, because I'm always showing up on social media for the fearless female movement. And they're always saying, well, you already have like your audience, and it would be a sure win for you. And, and, you know, but that's not my passion. You know, my passion isn't to sell someone else's product and get a percentage of their sales. Like, (laughs) my passion is to, you know, to really like help people find love for themselves, which an MLM, it just to me, it seems like it's quite opposite of what I'm aligned with, you know, and it's not my it's not within me to try to push people to make them say, oh, you're not good enough, or you're not doing enough. And because I've experienced it myself on not just one, but three different MLMs that I was a part of. And they made me feel insignificant because I wasn't working hard enough or I wasn't making the calls or I didn't believe in myself or I didn't read enough self-help books. And, and that's not in any company that you work for, how you should feel leaving or going to bed. Like if you have anxiety, if you have stress, if you feel like that gut feeling, like when you were talking earlier about you had that gut feeling that you should, <laughs> that you shouldn't like even ask about the shakes, but yet you did ask anyways, you know, it's like that gut feeling. There's a reason why we have that inherent gut feeling to not do anything because it's like, stop before you get yourself too involved. 
like, what was your decision? Like what happened exactly that made you say, I'm walking away from it all because you made it all the way to the top. And even though you were making money, what made you say, I don't want to do this anymore? So I was in three different companies total. I like to say two and a half because <laughs> <laughs> the first company I, I left, I had been in three and a half years. I had got to the point where I was earning over six figures a year, but there were a lot of things that happened in that company. And it was near towards the end, like our income started to go down just because people weren't buying workout DVDs anymore. And that's a big bulk of what we sold. I can't, I can't tell you the last time I bought a DVD. We don't even own a DVD player. And so things like Netflix and Hulu and streaming were passing us by. And instead of coming up with solutions or changing the compensation plan or giving us different items to sell, things like that, the CEO would just gaslight us and say, nothing has changed. You just need to work harder. And they told the very top, top people, like the millionaires with their huge teams to tell us that too. So here we are asking our uplines, like, hey, my income is down by 60% this month. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. What's going on? Like, what do we do? No, nothing's wrong. You just need to work harder. This is just, there's always hiccups in every company. You just need to work harder. You need to work harder. And it was insane. And so a lot of us started looking for work in other companies because the policies and procedures at that time from that first company stated that you could be a part of another MLM as long as it wasn't a competing MLM, like another health and wellness MLM. So people, we were all looking around. Some people joined other companies and started promoting that too while saying, I'm still going to work my health and wellness business as well. It's, it's great to have multiple streams of income. And the company got so fed up with that because people started leaving and going to these new MLMs because they needed income. And so in one day, they changed the policies and procedures and went around to everybody, like the, the higher up people who, had, who were working in another company as well and terminated them without warning. Wow. And see, that's one thing that a lot of people try to tell me like, oh, well, if you wait, make yourself all the way up to the top, you can, you know, it's like a life policy, you can give it to your kids, and then they can have the revenue of what you've created. And, and that's not always the case, because I've met people who say, like, they were fired. And then every person that they signed up underneath them, like hundreds of people that they were getting a recurring check from it's gone. And and they have no like, you know, they have a better lawyer than you. And there's no way you can ever get that back. Right. I had a good friend in my first company. We were on the same team. We had the same upline and we kind of connected. And we're still like, we still talk to this day, but she had been earning, she was higher up than I was. And she had been earning like 7,500 a week. She was earning a lot. And when our paychecks dropped, her paycheck went from 7,500 a week down to 4,500 a week, which is still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But you have to remember, like there's something called Parkinson's law, which is where you raise the your expenses to meet the level of your income, which is not smart, but it is not just taught by the MLM company, but also <laughs> encouraged by our society. They had two kids. She's married. She had two beautiful kids. And she was one of those people who they just cut off and terminated in a day. And I was so angry. I was so mad. There were, and there's nothing you can do about it. So like when, when a company turns their back on you or gets angry at you, which happens when you get higher up, unless you are 1000% a believer 
you were a follower and you question nothing, then yeah, they fire you, but it's not actually firing because you're not an employee, you're a 1099 contract worker. So you can't even file for unemployment. You can't do anything. There's nothing you can do. Your just services are no longer needed. So there's all these legal loopholes that MLM companies have that are so unethical. So when I started seeing that happening in the first company, that kind of woke me up and I was like, this is so wrong. There were a lot of other things that happened too. I was working myself, just overworking myself constantly. And I remember in that company, a year before I had, maybe a little less than a year before I had left, I went to a retreat with my upline. And there was like, there was probably like 12 of us there. And there were at least four people who had been in the Millionaires Club. And I was so excited to go to this retreat and get to spend a few days with them and like, you know, pick their brains and ask them questions about how they got to where they were and just hear all the great things. And one of the girls who was there, who had been a top 10 person in this company, I mean, like they flew her to Italy. She got to go on this like top 10 trip with the other people uh, and take her spouse. So she was there because she had hit the highest rank in the company. And well, not because of that, but because she was on the same team as my upline. But she had went to the superstar day, the where I told you like the where they treat you like uh, the Tom Cruise of Scientology. And like she got to have her day. You know, she walked off the elevator, the whole company's there clapping for her and just adorning her with balloons and flowers. And then she gets to sit down with the CEO and they record it all, of course, for marketing. It just looks magical. And so I was standing next to her in the kitchen and my upline had rented out this like Airbnb mansion. And so I'm standing next to her in the kitchen. I'm like, I didn't want to be too like needy and be like, oh my God, tell me how you did it. So I was just like, so how was your superstar day? Like, how was it? It looked amazing. I don't know if I caught her in a moment of weakness, but she didn't try and even smile or put on a a facade. She just sighed and said, you know, it was just one day. It was just one day for all that work. And I internally like lost it. I was like, (gasps) what? (laughs) Like on the outside, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh yeah, it's a lot of work. (laughs) But inside I'm screaming because I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Why is nobody at the very tippy top happy? What am I working so hard for? You know, like what's the thing? Because I keep saying like, oh, you're going to get financial freedom. You're going to, you know, you're going to have this residual income for the rest of your life. It's amazing, yada, yada. And I'm like, you know, I'm at the top and don't get me wrong. There were certain perks where it's like you got to make your own schedule or whatever. But keep in mind, if you took even a day or two off, you're going to wake up to a host of messages and demands. Yeah. Where are you? Why aren't you showing up? Exactly. Um, do I need, do I need to take over your team? Do you need me to, to check in on your team? Cause they're messaging me and they're worried about you. If you even take a little bit of time off, like they freak out. And then they start shunning you if you take off too much time. Yeah. <laughs> and they leave, they leave your team and they find someone else who's maybe doing better than you and go to another coach or another upline. That or your upline shuns you. And, and yeah, it's crazy. So I left that company and I went to, I started two other ones at like the same time. It was a wine one, a subscription wine service. And then it was a skincare and cosmetics company. And the wine company, I I was, it was like direct sellers is what it was called. I was in that for maybe four months, but I, 
I just, it wasn't for me. I don't even drink that much ever. I maybe have like a drink every few months. And I just was like, I don't really like this culture. I don't like the environment. I did get to the top 1%. I earned trip to Aruba, but I didn't even go on it. (laughs) I was, I was really burnt out. And I I was just like, you know, I just don't want to go. And so I, I quit that one. And I, I just stuck with the skincare and cosmetics company. And because my, my mindset when I had left the first company, the health and wellness company, was that everything that I had been seeing, all the bad behavior, all the people at the top who were miserable and not happy, and then like just everything I was seeing, the, the culture where it was like, if anybody was thinking about going to another company or working a second company, I mean, people were turning others into compliance left and right. Wow. Oh, it was disgusting. It was dog eat dog. And I was just like, this is sick. I want nothing to do with it. And in my mindset, I was like, it's just this company. I just need to find an ethical company and work with them. I didn't realize yet that it had nothing to do with just one company. It was the entire industry. And so I went to my to the third and final company, which was a skincare and cosmetics one. And I worked it for a year and a half, almost two years. It was just as stressful. It was horrible. And so when you ask like, what was the one thing that made you leave? I would say at the very end of it, it was all the stress because there's, don't get me wrong. Like we all have stress in our lives. We all have hard things that we have to do and just suck it up. But the stress in an MLM company is unlike any other. And I started seeing, a pa- I started noticing patterns and the patterns were that all these people at the very top, like the millionaires, I saw it in several different companies I was part of, they all started getting really sick to, to the point where like they had to be hospitalized. Oh my God. My, yeah, my first upline and my last upline both had to be hospitalized. My first one had to have a blood transfusion. The third one, my last one almost had to have surgery. I mean, and the scary thing was doctors could not tell them what it was. Like all their doctors just said, I think it's stress. Like I think whatever your body is going through right now, it's caused from stress. And that's scary. I mean, well, it's your body telling you this isn't where you're supposed to be. Like, this isn't where you belong. Like, get out. And here's the thing like, I have done so much research on so many different things because, like, you know, I'm a true crime enthusiast too. Actually, I started this podcast because of my favorite murder, the podcast, one of my favorite, favorite podcasts. And because of them, like, I started down the rabbit hole of podcasting. I started my own, but. I mean, I get down rabbit holes all the time. And when Scientology came out, you know, the Going Clear documentary, and then I read Troublemaker by Leah Remini, and then I watched all of her A&E series. And I actually had joined a women's group. And at that time, I paid $2,000 to join this group. And they wanted to hear my innermost secrets. And I had to, you know, write them down and put them into their database. And at red flag, you know, and then they were just like, you know, having these supposed masterminds where they would put a girl in the hot seat and then they would tear her down to try to try to build her up. And I'm like, red flag. And then the toxic positivity of everyone telling you how great you are and how awesome and how much they're hashtag soul sisters and everything, but not really ever communicating with me past like a hello or a goodbye on a Facebook post, you know, and then like the superficial relationships you have with these people who only want to talk surface level conversations. And then the moment you decide to leave, when this is what happened to me when I left that women's group, they all turn their backs on me. Like you said, they shun you. And that's like another red flag of a cult or of a, you know, really 
intense religion like Mormonism and how the moment you decide you're not going to be a Mormon, they just stop talking to you <laughs> like at all. They won't even talk to you. They just like think that you are no longer a human being. And that is just so toxic. The whole entire culture of cults and of some religions and the MLM, it can really destroy people to the point, like you said, they're in the hospital. Some people even commit suicide because they feel like they're outside of the circle of trust. And you desperately, so desperately want to get back in. And I think they prey on those people where they see that they have low self-esteem where they have um, insecurity issues or they have those, you know, family problems. Like they do do their research on you. They're not dumb. They're trying to recruit more people. The more people they recruit, the more money they make. And even though you get to the top 1%, and like you said, oh, you're supposed to live this, like you're just going to have recurring revenue coming in all the time. You never have to work. That's, that's not true. Like you said, you can't even take a day off because they will immediately shun you or immediately tell you, where are you? Do you want me to take over your upline? Like, do you want me to take over your team? Like, and, and that's not how we're supposed to be as human beings. You shouldn't have to live every day as if you're walking on eggshells. And if you are, regardless of what you are doing, whether it's MLM or a business or a relationship or a friendship, if you are walking on eggshells in, and you feel that, the reason why your gut is telling you to run away is because you should run away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just so icky. There, <laughs> there were so many things that happened. And I remember myself when I was in that first company, I had lost 50 pounds in five sizes. I was exercising. I was eating right. I was doing all the things. I was. I had quit my job at this point. I was supposed to be happy, right? Like I was, and for the first two years, don't get me wrong, the first two years were great because I hadn't yet peaked behind the curtain of the 1%. I thought, you know, like, oh my gosh, like I really believed in it. I was like, oh my gosh, we can earn finance. You were still drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I was like, we can earn financial freedom. We can do all these great things. And I was helping, like, I'm a feminist. I thought I was helping women. That's what kills me. Like I thought I was really helping women and providing them a viable opportunity. And that's just not the case. But I remember one day, this is probably two and a half years in, I was just kind of feeling not my best. I don't know what was that. Like my energy was low. I'm not sure what was going on. I went to the doctor and they wanted to put me on blood pressure medicine immediately. They were like, your blood pressure is so high. And I think it was like, I can't remember what it was. It was the top number was like 154. And I just was, I just remember being like, what do you mean my blood pressure is high? And they were like, yeah, your blood pressure is high. And I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can control this on my own for like, I'll come back in a month. And if I haven't been able to lower it naturally, then I will go on the medicine. Fortunately, I discovered meditation because I literally looked up ways to naturally lower your blood pressure, which sometimes you do need the medicine. Fortunately, I was able to do some things that help bring it down. But I just remember thinking like, what's going on? Why is my blood pressure so high? I've, I've never been healthier. And my doctor was like, well, your body is stressed and it's trying to tell you that. So there were so many things that happened. Um, another thing that happened was in my first company, and this is what I hate with the MLM companies, these commercial cults, they will indoctrinate you with so much self-help so that you know that it's all on you and that if the company is always painted in a good light and if anything goes wrong, if anything bad happens or you try and question anything, it's completely your fault. But anytime you succeed in any way, the company is always made out to be like, oh my gosh, they're amazing. They, they're helping me do this. But it's always black and white <laughs> with these cults. And so I just remember thinking like, this is just 
outrageous. Like, I don't know how much longer I can do this, this mindset. And I totally lost my train of that where I was going with that. <laughs> it's okay. Here's the thing. Like I have a lot of friends who are in MLMs and they're probably, like I said, going to message me after this show and they're going to be like, why did you put her on there? But honestly, if you are at the top of your game in an MLM, why are you going to give them your 110%? That's my always, my thing that I always tell people that try to recruit me. Why would I give someone else 110 of my percentage of life, you know, instead of just doing it for myself and creating my own product and selling my own and keeping 100% of the proceeds and doing it my way? You know, like if you are at the top percent, you obviously have all of the skills, but yet you are not fully aware of that. You're not fully aware of all your talent, of all your skills, of everything that you provide. Instead, you're still there, like, you know, like begging for their dangling carrot for their approval. And in any part of your life, like I said, within a relationship, within a friendship, within a religion or within anything, if you're constantly waiting for someone else to approve you, then you shouldn't be there at all. You should be able to love, truly love yourself so much that you wouldn't allow anyone to tell you that you weren't good enough. You're good enough. Yeah. And I remember what I was going to say. So the the MLM companies indoctrinate you with so much self-help, but what they don't do, what they fail to do is to provide you with any type of financial guidance. And that's by design. But what happened to me is I got to the top and I started earning a higher and a higher wage bracket. And I didn't know that if I didn't pay quarterly taxes and just sort of, you know, paying yearly how I had always done, because I was always a 1099 contractor as a hairstylist. I didn't know that if I didn't start paying quarterly taxes, that I would be fined by the IRS. No one ever mentioned anything to me about any type of money or monetary situation, including my uplines who are making millions of dollars. Anything that's ever just said about taxes in an MLM is, oh, just save 30%, save 30%. Okay, fine. But what about the other things that you don't know about? And that came back to bite me. The IRS fined me $11,500. Wow. Oh, and the reason why they don't tell you is because they want you to work harder. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's, it's, and I think that they don't tell you because somebody commented on my, one of my videos and they were like, they don't give you financial advice because they don't think you're going to make any money. And I replied, and if you do, they don't want to be held liable. <laughs> it's, it's a horrible industry. Yeah. It's sad. It really, truly, it's a horrible industry and it's sad. And I'm glad we're having this conversation because honestly, you know, if I, if my sister would have never told me to do my research, I probably would be in Amway begging for someone's approval and working my, you know, tail off and like having crazy anxiety and stress and sleepless nights and always wondering and waiting for somebody to tell me that I was good enough and worthy enough and, and wanting my super day where people are applauding you. And it's your Tom Cruise day. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, when we are walking wounded, when we've never taken the time to really like help that inner child that went through trauma or had low self-esteem and insecurities, and we're not working on our inner self and we get stuck in something like this. It's, it's awful you know, and they're just going to chew you up and spit you out. And then you're just still there wondering why, why didn't I get that success? Why didn't I get that super, you know, welcoming? And why didn't I get the stage? And, and you know what, I, when you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, like she said, it was just one day, all that work for just one day. 
in my third company, I finally did get to walk across the stage and be given, you know, a trophy and all this stuff with the CEO and had flashing lights going in my name on this big screen. And (laughs) I thought the same thing as her. I was just like, wow, like, yeah, I get it. It's just one day. And what's, I think the hardest thing, because the financial stress of it all is very hard. There's just so much, so many hard things in it. One of the hardest things for me was losing all these people who I thought were my friends. Because when I would leave one company, even though I had been with these people for three and a half years and we had shared our deepest, darkest secrets, we had spent the night together at retreats, we had traveled together, we did all these great things together, bam, blocked. I was nothing to them. And that the betrayal of that for me hurt so bad. I also lost my best friend of eight years because she had signed up under me. And when I left, you know, I mean, she was talking about leaving the first company too, because nobody was happy. Our income was dropping. And so I left first and then she didn't. And three months later, I, I like was messaging her about something and she hadn't replied to me. I had like texted her. So I hit her up on Facebook messenger. And I said, Hey, did you get my text? And I get back this like three or four paragraph long message about why she can no longer be friends with me because I've talked negatively about the CEO of the health and wellness company. And she believes that God has called her to do that company. Oh God. <laughs> Literally. Oh God. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, complete cult speak. And she said, you know, you're just, you've turned so negative. I don't even recognize you. Yeah. They put it all on you. <laughs> Yeah. And she was like, I never saw this happening, but I can't be friends with you any, anymore. I wish you the best. And like the worst part about that freaking message was she started it with, Hey girl. <laughs> I, you know, I got the same thing from my family member when I told them I wasn't going to join Amway and she stopped talking to me for, I mean, it's, we used to talk every single day, like three or four times a day. She was like everything to me. She's only like a couple years younger than me. And we were, we like literally grew up together all the time. She was supposed to be in my wedding. She was supposed to be my bridesmaid. And then she just was like, no, you, you didn't want to join. And my mentor told me that you're just trying to kill my dream. And, and then like, even after that, when we had a sit down, she was like, you were the worst aunt ever. And I'm like, really? Like it was just, and she still will not, I get like maybe one text message a year and it's sad. And that's the MLM speaking through them. That's that's why these things are called commercial cults because they do indoctrinate you. They they control your behavior, your information, your emotional control. And they, yeah, it's complete black or white thinking. And I found out only two years after my best friend of eight years told me she could no longer be friends with me. I found out that she left that company (laughs) and we still haven't talked, you know, and that's what's sad. Like these companies absolutely destroy relationships. Yeah, it, it really does. And, you know, it has really do your research and think about it. All cults, religions, even domestic abusive partners, narcissistic friends, they all have the same thing. They all have the same red flags. So if your gut feeling is telling you, I don't feel good here or safe here, or this is a little bit sketch, or I'm confused. Why is this person saying she's got a lot of money, but lives in a trailer park? I mean, these are all red flags. (laughs) So really listen to your gut, ladies. Do your research. You know, and if you have any questions, I'm sure you can reach out to Josie. So as we wrap up this episode, Josie, what would you say is your nugget of wisdom to any woman who is listening to this podcast 
and who's thinking about joining an MLM. My nugget of wisdom would be to never feel bad for feeling bad because toxic positivity is real and it's used relentlessly in the MLM industry. Like feelings of anger and sadness and unhappiness are part of the human experience. And they can sometimes be warning signals from our gut. And if something doesn't feel right, or on the contrary, seems too good to be true, trust your intuition, don't make decisions based off emotion, and always look at the numbers and facts. You know, it's toxic positivity was used so heavily on me for five and a half years in the MLM industry, that that's why I didn't speak out against the industry until almost two years after walking away, because I felt I was being negative. I thought I would be a bad person for speaking out. And that's what I have to say, like, never feel bad for feeling bad. It's just part of the human experience. Don't let somebody use toxic positivity on you. I love that, Josie. And you honestly are a true fearless female to go against these MLM corporations. And I know that they've all attacked you in some way, fashion or form, because that's happened to me. So I just wanted to say you are truly a fearless female. Continue on your plight. And I know that one day you're going to expose all of it. And I hope that you save lives by doing it. So thanks again for listening to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. You can find me on Facebook called The Fearless Female Movement. You can find me on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. Josie, how can my listeners find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm at not the good girl. And then on YouTube, my channel is not the good girl. <laughs> <laughs> and she also has a website and we're going to put the links all in the show notes. So if you want to get in contact with her, ask her questions, reach out. All right, guys, tune in next week for another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. Goodbye. Goodbye.